If someone on the Red Sox hits a homer during the game, I will get a notification about it and I'll say something. Otherwise, <laughs> will it hurt? Make sure it doesn't ding though. No, no, I have I have it on Do Not Disturb. Shot is no good. The rebound tapped back outside. The cannon drives the lane. Blocked by Wolf. Rebound Pennsylvania. Dave Wall. The Bilski's Leon to the wall in the middle. Up and good. Leon too fast. Good. Executed to perfection. Here comes Fields the other way for a foul. Gets to the foul line. Blocked from behind by Wall. Wall with the rebound. No good. Rebound Bob Wolf. Pennsylvania. Hot left pass to Bilski. Taker's going to run again. Bilski has Calhoun and Wolf all the way underneath. Can he go through? Welcome to the Penalty Box. I'm Sam Mitchell here, as always, with Carter Thompson and Mark Margolis. And we're back for our third week this semester, and we're very excited to get into talking about everything Penn Athletics. Happy to be back again, second week in a row. Yes. Hoping we can make it a habit. (laughs) (laughs) Always. Carter's shown up to work. It's the new trend. (laughs) Plot twist. We're here. Carter's like, ooh, I'm coming into work today. Somehow, some way, I made it. Despite yeah. the, despite the trip this weekend, despite the rain outside, yeah. I've arrived. Yeah. So you went with the golf team to where exactly over fall break? Yeah. So we were playing an LSU's tournament in Baton Rouge. So we flew into New Orleans, saw the city a little bit, went to Cafe Dumont, got some beignets. Those are bomb, by the way. <laughs> Highly recommend. Um, Tournament didn't go as well as we would have hoped. Um, yeah, that's. But we had a great time. That's always our fall break tradition to go down there. So fun, awesome, very fun trip. But happy to be back here with you guys. Great in uh, cloudy and team. rainy Philadelphia, here at the DP. Uh, so let's get into it. Um, I know Penn had a really interesting match against Sacred Heart uh, over the weekend, and we're really excited for Ivy play to resume, and, and that's the end of the non-conference schedule. Um, so why don't we talk about that? I know they they uh, got up early and then were behind and, and came back to win it. Uh, what, what are your takeaways? Definitely yeah. a roller coaster ride of a game. Up 21 at one point, then they fall down uh, going into last drive, and then Ryan Glover, marches the, Ryan Glover and Kerrigan Brooks march them down the field, uh, finish it off with a touchdown to Christian Pearson, who uh, we had, you know, had a second team all Ivy in 2016. Kind of fell off a little bit last year. Injured to start this season, but this could definitely be a turning point for him. Uh, definitely hoping to see a lot from him. Definitely, we've touched on this about a million times. No Jay Watt, and uh, Christian's one of the guys who's definitely tasked with trying to somewhat replace the production. And uh, he had a very, he had a really good game. Uh, two touchdowns, 104 yards, seven catches. Uh, this was really his best performance since his sophomore year. Yeah, I think that, you know, seeing him play well was definitely, like, nice for the entire team because you've kind of been looking for someone to step up all season. Like, you know, we joke, we, we really joke about it. It's like there's no more Jay Watt. Who's going to replace Jay Watt? No well, one's going to replace Jay No one's going to replace Jay Watt. <coughs> but, man, I mean, that was, like, pretty much all you could have asked for out of this guy, you know, to give you that kind of production and give you that kind of a boost. Um He's definitely not Jay Watt, but man, I mean, what a performance! I mean that that's definitely true, and it's something we were hoping to see. Uh, you know, somebody from that receiving core step up. But I think the question needs to be asked at this point: like, we've seen Penn play in the non-conference. How much do we care about? I mean, it's great to see them show resilience on the road, come back, and all that. I I know it's great, but we need to see this kind of production against an Ivy League defense in a game that actually matters. 
Um, I don't care about like to be honest. I I really I mean they don't compete in the cha- in the football in the subdivision championships. They're it's not it's Ivy League or bust and all really right. all you know that for whatever this game is worth, these games are in a way warm ups to get acclimated to like the Ivy schedule, and there were some encouraging signs, but. I want I want to see it again. I want to see it against uh, Columbia next week. Absolutely. And so let's let's look ahead to that game. Penn's got Columbia um, this Friday. Uh, should be a really interesting game. Hosting Columbia after the heartbreaking loss in New York uh, last season. What do you guys think about that that upcoming match? Well, I mean, I think that after they got just crushed last year in New York, I think that. Columbia probably is going to come down with a little bit of swagger, like, oh, we can come into Franklin Field and really kind of show them who's boss. Um, Bagnoli's coming back. He probably really wants to win this game here. Um, but we don't really know how good Columbia is. I mean, we've seen them get a couple good wins, similar to Penn, in the non-conference. Um, but then we also saw them get manhandled by Princeton. And so, you know, they're also kind of doing the same thing that Penn is doing. What is their true identity in the Ivy season? Is it the team that is able to really compete and show that they can play disciplined football for all four quarters, or is it the team that's you know just going to come up short in the Ivy season ultimately? One interesting note is a uh, Brown of all teams blew out Georgetown thirty-five to seven, and the reason that's relevant is because Columbia barely squeaked by Georgetown mm-hmm. in a one-touchdown game. So, I mean, Columbia finished second in the Ivy League last year. It was definitely one of the strongest teams they had in recent memory. Bagnoli's done a great job with the program. But, it, right. you know, based off, even with the 3-1 and one record, there's some signs in their non-conference play they could really be vulnerable coming to Franklin Field this week. And, I mean, I think people forget uh, Bagnoli, obviously, former Penn coach. Uh, and we should really think about this kind of, we have this great annual showdown between, you know, what, what is it, like the master and the Padawan? Or, mm-hmm. um, and so Priori obviously wanted to go into, into Bagnoli's house last season and, and put up a win. Couldn't quite get it done, but um, now I think the tables have turned and, and he should feel a lot more comfortable with this Penn squad now maybe than he even did a year ago. And um, missing some pieces like Watt, but uh, I, I think they have a good chance against the Lions. Yeah, no doubt. But I do think that it is a must-win game for the Red and Blue this week because they've already started out with a loss in the Ivy play this season, and I don't think that they can afford another one this early on, especially in a game that they should win at home. Absolutely. I think that you know they really need to get out and probably set the tone early um, and say, look, we're here. Like, we're not going to be let – this is not going to be a letdown. This isn't going to be, like – a trap game even though it's at home you know they really need to kind of jump out on them early and get ahead and get some points on the board because this is they need this one they really do I mean Dartmouth looks like a very strong team Yale obviously we know is good reigning champs reigning champs um Princeton is a juggernaut yeah I mean Princeton's offense looks we we were lucky to beat them last year now we got to go on the road against them that's not a game that's to end the season Mm -hmm. too so that that could be a game where both teams have a lot and on the line. Their quarter, John Lovett's on fire. 2016 uh, Ivy League Offensive Player of the Year was out last season. Uh, the other quarterback is now in the Cardinals practice squad. But, you know, Princeton, they turn out a lot of talent at the quarterback position. True. And, you know, they, look, they have a really explosive offense. 
Yeah. And, and so, I mean, just the moral of the story is that you cannot, if you're Penn, you cannot afford to go into the rest of this, really the schedule that's going to put them through the ringer with an 0-2 conference record. I mean, it, you're, a loss to Columbia here virtually guarantees that uh, Penn will not be, be winning a share of the Ivy title this season. And um, to be out so early, I mean, in, in mid-October would be incredibly disappointing for, for what is a very talented Penn team. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'd be very deflating, I think, you know, after kind of not, you know, not really being in the mix last year either. Um, you know, I think that it's something that, you know, it could lead to a, a season where they don't really get many wins on the board, period, let alone the ones that they need to get. Right. Um, and so I totally agree. I think that, you know, they need to just take care of business this week and they cannot afford a slip. Right, and and I mean when you when you have a, a historically great program uh, with people like Torg and Jay Watt, and when that championship window kind of looks like it's closing, I feel like there's two paths that a program can take. You can either go into sort of a rebuild and spend some time in the middle of the pack or near the bottom of the league, or you can uh, kind of say that we have the infrastructure, we have the championship culture, and it doesn't matter. We're, we can plug and play the pieces, and. Uh, last year it was a little in between. I mean, I mean, Penn was good, but they weren't great. And this is a year, the year where I think it's really going to put that that kind of idea to the test. Can the infrastructure hold up? Can this team stay good, no matter who is kind of the stars uh, lighting it's up? The, the, kind of the classic tonight. It's rebuild versus reloading. And I think they were somewhere in between, but I'd say it's right now looked more like a rebuild. And we'll know a little more after this week. I mean, if they start 0-2, I think we can safely say, like, they're rebuilding, they're not reloading. Right. But, um, you know, this is a game, it's, I, there's probably four or five games that should be a toss-up on this, and you, they need to, you know, they need to come out on the right end of a lot of those games. I mean, Brown should be a win, like, without a doubt. That should be, you know, Br- Brown's typically been a bot, even with their blowout of Georgetown. You know, <laughs> Brown's. I mean, it, it, it's, it's worth noting that Georgetown is one of the worst college football programs in college football. So, college football <laughs> programs in college football. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, Georgetown would also be a bad NFL team and a mediocre. Look, I, all, all I'm saying is I I'm heard a, they want Bama. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is I'm a data guy, and there's just no data to support that. Georgetown. We have, we have a lot of data that right. Georgetown is a bad college football team. We have no data that they're a bad NFL team. So it's, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Or high school. I mean, we also won't, don't know how they do at the high school level. It's true. Well. It's true. They probably still block better than Florida State does, though. Well, I mean, it'd be hard to beat that in the in the terrible O line Olympics. <laughs> For those who don't know, Carter Thompson spent his freshman uh, his freshman year at Florida State in in the golf program. A, a one year Florida State alum. Going alls. <laughs> Football team is sagging though. Unfortunately, it's it's more of, it's more of a basketball school, right? Yeah, we're we're a basketball. Kind of kind of looking ahead we're a to basketball school. school. Softball right. school. <laughs> what about the golf? What do people think of the golf program there? You guys, you know, you got are you guys the BMOCs on campus? Well, you know, we do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have yeah. thought when Carter came to Penn that he would uh, come to a school that has arguably a better chance at winning football championships? <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> Objectively speaking, it does. <laughs> So uh, going, you know, uh, obviously we're limited to the Penn bubble sometimes, but there are a lot of marquee matchups around college football. So I know uh, some of you have some hot takes on that. Yeah, why, why don't we uh, why don't we get into that? Um, 
for no, the it's Rockies. it's been been disappointing for your Knolls this season, but uh, you know, not as much as they might like to be, they're not the only team in the the great state of Florida. Uh, Florida Gators are off to a really hot start, beating LSU. Obviously, have have a number of other good wins, notch from the belt. Yeah, any, any thoughts on that? Un- unbelievable, unbelievable. They are just—they're not that good. They have not beaten anybody. They got lucky beating LSU last week. I think that that was a fluke win. I think the officiating was questionable. Um, but I don't think that they've played anybody. You know, they lost to Kentucky for the first time well, in school is history. Ranked, right? Kentucky was ranked, but so they've been two ranked teams, haven't they? No, 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 they, no. They, they Kentucky, lost. They Kentucky lost Kentucky. Yeah, okay, they lost yeah. Kentucky. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I just don't think. I don't think they're that good. Um, fun fact: I did play um, rec league basketball when I was twelve with the Gators quarterback. Um, I schooled him. And, yeah, he, he, he was. He was trash, right? Yeah, he, he had no, no jumper, game, no yeah. game, no shot. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they're. Right. Just no. No, so, no, no. So Florida's, we're crossing Florida off. Florida State obviously is out. Um, I, I mean, I, I, any thoughts on the U? Miami, I, I thought I had higher expectations for them at the beginning of the season. I think that their loss to LSU was kind of a, a uh, I don't know. It it's was kind of a letdown. It was a big letdown. It was a big letdown. And obviously they picked up a good win over FSU this weekend. Even though it was at home, they had to come back. But... Um, I think they are getting more and more talented. I think they have a really good quarterback. They made um, a switch, right? They, they uh, did make the switch. That guy, the, the new guy can really play. Um, Bench a senior. Uh, blanking out on the guy's name, mm-hmm. but they brought in, I think, a redshirt freshman, a redshirt sophomore. Uh, you know, he got a good... Alec Torgerson, he was in a competition sophomore year. Uh, Andrew Lisa, probably people don't going back to the Penn archives, but, you know, you in college football, you know, you only get four years with these guys. You really got to, if you're good enough to play, you got to put them on the field. It's true. Know, it doesn't matter age. It's so. true. No doubt about it. I mean, it's something we're seeing all around college football, too, obviously, with the... The transfer epidemic. The trans... Kelly Bryant being the, I think, the most famous recent one, mm-hmm. um, obviously leaving a very talented Clemson team and, and all that. Um... But uh, un- unless you guys have anything else to add, why don't we make some picks? I know we have four kind of marquee matchups coming up this week in college football, and we're going to give you our picks and uh, maybe a, a short rationale, and uh, we'll see. We'll check in next week and see how we all did. So. Yeah, I mean, I think the game of the week, obviously, is UGA-LSU. Absolutely. A big, big game down in Death Valley. Um, you know, I think that Georgia looks very strong at this point coming off of a fresh number one recruiting class in the country. Um, there's no reason to me to suggest that they're going to drop this game, even though LSU is a notoriously difficult place to play. Um, you know, I think that LSU is coming off that loss to Florida, probably still feeling a little deflated. Um, I just don't think that they have the firepower to keep up with UGA in this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to disagree with you on that one. I, I think... You know, not only is Georgia coming into LSU, but I don't think Georgia has necessarily been tested like they're going to get tested against what's a very good LSU team. And I especially think that uh, this loss to the Gators is actually going to work in their favor. I mean, that's a game that they deserve to win. They're the more talented team. And uh, to lose like that is going to sting. And I think that's a sting that's going to really help them against the Bulldogs. Yeah, it's like a little kind of kickstart. Absolutely. Because, like, that. 
I mean, if they drop two games, that, that you know, all their hopes go away. But a, a big win over the number two team in the country, and they're right back in the mix. I still have to go with Georgia. I mean, I think they definitely have the edge of quarterback. No disrespect to Joe Burrow, the Ohio State transfer. But with him, I think it's one of those things. He's a very – he's a solid quarterback, but I don't think he necessarily wins LSU games. His job is to kind of not lose them games. And it's not that dissimilar from what Jake Fromm does with Georgia. But I think, you know, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions, they really air the ball out more in Georgia. Not to mention they have a really strong backfield tandem in Elijah Holyfield and DeAndre Swift, the local Philadelphia product. Shout out. Shout out to Philly there. But, um, yeah, I really think the difference comes offensively. I think Georgia can really stretch the field more than than LSU. And I even even on the road, I think, you know, a Georgia team coming off a heartbreaking national championship loss uh, will go into Death Valley and come out with a dub. All right. Uh, so our, our next matchup is a Big Ten showdown, Michigan versus Wisconsin. Go Blue, baby. And, uh, you know, this, and obviously both teams are uh, ranked this season, have been playing pretty well, and uh, could have ramifications outside of the Big Ten. Um, I've got Michigan winning. They um, obviously fell to Notre Dame in a loss that's looking better and better as Notre Dame keeps rolling over teams. Um, and they've looked pretty good, although they, they haven't had too many other tough matchups since then. Um, I think the Michigan's going to come out here and, and handle a Wisconsin team that I think overperformed a little bit last year and is still getting a lot of credit for that. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> what I don't understand about this game is that Michigan is favored by seven and a half points. I'll give it to them. They're playing at home. You know, the big house, blah, blah. There is no way that Wisconsin doesn't either A – cover and only lose by like three points or less than a touchdown or just flat out win I mean this team has a solid quarterback play and they've got good defense you know I think that Michigan is extremely overrated um, they've just got a bunch of bona fide scrubs I think that bona fide scrubs. bona fide scrubs I think that Wisconsin's got this one in the bag no problem well, I'm going to, that's just one of those ridiculous takes to ever, to ever occur on this podcast. Bonafide scrubs, Shea Patterson, the Ole Miss transfer, a five-star he recruit. He is a scrub. The, a five-star recruit scrub. coming out of IMG. This man scrub. was one of the most efficient passers in the SEC, transferred to Michigan amid the, uh, amid the scandal, and even though, you know, I'll give you, he's been a little bit underwhelming, but still, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions, had a great game against Maryland last week, proved to be really elusive to go along with his strong arm. Not to mention, we have one of the best running back tandems in the Big Ten. We, as in, although I don't go to Michigan, grew up a Michigan fan my whole life, my mom went to Michigan, go blue. To continue with the point, <laughs> Karan Higdon, Chris Evans, do those names ring a bell? You know, they might not They might not have the same flair as Jonathan Taylor, Heisman candidate, Wisconsin running back, but this duo puts up some numbers. They're, you know, they're, they're, first, they're walking first downs. Karan Higdon could have declared for the draft last year, came back with the goal of reaching 1,000 yards for the season, has six, nearly has 600 already. This man is putting up numbers. Their defense is coming off a strong game. And to say 
Michigan at home is definitely going to lose is one of the most ridiculous, preposterous, ludicrous takes I've ever heard on this podcast. And look, look. And frankly, well, disrespectful. Michigan 33-21 over Wisconsin. You know, all of, those guys, all of those guys you just named, I haven't heard of a single one of them because <laughs> they're scrubs. <laughs> They are straight scrubs. Like, I, I don't know. I'm more confident in anything in my life. Put it in writing. We will review this next week. Wisconsin by a million. By a million. <laughs> Interesting. Full take. Was that sarcastic? Was oh that hyperbole? Maybe. But to insinuate, to insinuate that Michigan will get blown out at home, a Jim Harbaugh coach team, the quarterback That's whisperer. That's precisely why they're going to get blown out. A quarterback whisperer. This man coached. Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck, <laughs> and Colin All right, Kennedy. all right, all right. Uh, since this is an Ivy League podcast and I'm sure nobody cares about the Big Ten, it's probably time to move on to the next matchup. We're going out west to the Pac-12. We've got Washington versus Oregon, another showdown. So because of- it's an Ivy League podcast and no one cares about the Big Ten, we're going to talk about the Pac-12. Just be just following the, the, the schools from California anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fair enough. So let's take two Pacific Northwest teams and uh, see how they're going to do. I personally think that U-Dubs kind of got this. They've had Oregon's number. They're uh, a better team, and uh, I think they're just going to handle the Ducks pretty easily uh, this weekend. You know, they always say the most important position, and this has been consistent with my picks. I have picked the team with the stronger quarterback, and I'm going to do that again with Oregon. Jake Browning, although, you know, he's had a very good college career for the University of Washington. Justin Herbert's a special talent, fringe Heisman candidate. Got near lock to go in the first round this year. Maybe number one. Maybe number one. But uh, I kind of see, I think they are more talented at the quarterback position. Um, Both teams, kind of a wash on D in terms of comparing the two to each other. Um, They're pretty even across the board, but I think Oregon's got that edge at the quarterback position, and that's why I'm going to pick Oregon this week. Yeah, I mean, I think that you see that because the line's at Washington by three points as a favorite. I think that the the smart people in Vegas, um, you know, see similar to what Mark is saying, where Herbert's just a stud. I mean, he just is the life and soul of this Oregon football team. I think that they're expecting this one to be much closer than some people think, and I think the fact that they're playing it at Oregon, you know, maybe get them to settle in a little bit, team feels a little bit looser than if they were traveling on the road. Um, I think this just has the makings of an up- upset and a big game for the underrated Ducks. I think they are they are much better than people give them credit for this season. I find it really interesting, though. You know, you're really lauding the smart people in Vegas just after bashing them for giving Michigan a seven and a half. That's because that 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 spread is ridiculous. Carter, I'll tell you exactly how they got to minus seven and a half spread, all right? You are a stat, mate, a stat miner, right? Uh, so it, so, something like that. Um, but, uh, look, they're, they're playing at the big house, which has got to be worth minus three, minus three and a half all by itself. And then take Michigan, all right? They're better coached. Mm. There's minus two. Their team is better, all right? There's another minus two. If you play minus two, location. minus two, minus three and a half is minus seven and a half. Okay. Better players, better coach, 
and they're playing in the big house, okay? Have you seen, I mean, Mark's here. Mark grew up in Philly, goes to Penn, you know, his, his, his parents went to Michigan. His mom. his mom went to Michigan. And look, he's a, he's a rabid Michigan hey, fan. Hey, now, hey. now take thousands and thousands of marks, all right? Put them around thousands. a football field. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of marks. Put them around a football field, all right? And have them scream at these, these players from Wisconsin hey, for hey, three hours. Hey, what do you all, think is going to happen? I'm saying, what I think is going to happen is what I just predicted to happen. We're going to come back here next Monday... And it's just going to be all Badger, baby. They're going to be jumping around all night. All night in Ann Arbor. I, 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 think, I think we need to put uh, some kind of a wager on here. Not, not, a, not a Vegas type of money wager, but, but, but yeah, something. We, 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 don't, no. we don't bet on this podcast. No, pride no. only. Pride, pride only. only. No, I'm, 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 thinking, I'm thinking something like, like Mark has to wear a, a Badger shirt or something oh. like that if he's wrong. It'd be like, well, this Carter's not even a Wisconsin fan. He's just for some reason anti-Michigan. <laughs> like, I'm, I won't, I won't, I won't, you know, beat around. Like, I'm a huge Michigan yeah. fan, and that obviously affected my assessment. But nonetheless, it, you know, I'm last year uh, one of my one of my good friends that I lived with. Uh, he's an Ohio State fan. And he's he's like six foot one, and so um, we had a we had like a party later that week, and or the week after the um, the week after the Ohio State Michigan game, and the bet was he was gonna wear a Michigan jersey, and I was gonna wear an Ohio State jersey. So lo and behold, the party rolls around. He busts out uh, this uh, this extra large Ohio State jersey. It's going like it's going down to my wrist. It looks ridiculous ugly colors but point being is that look I'm not going to make this huge sort of with a not even Wisconsin fan you know when Michigan plays the scrubs from uh from Florida State with their whack offensive line and no quarterback play and poorly coached team no defense no skill players orange bowl. All I'm saying, 2016 orange bowl. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things were different in 2016 <laughs> and now it's time for everybody's favorite segment hard-nosed player of the week um where Mark Carter and I all will nominate a Penn athlete for our award, which uh, wants to recognize the toughest player from Penn athletics. And then Nadia, who has uh, agreed to join us for this segment, will pick uh, who's the winner. So Hi. welcome, Nadia. Thanks for coming on, and uh, let's get into it, guys. Let's do it. So my hard-nosed player of the week nomination goes to Mary Shin of the women's golf team. Shot a school record 68 in the first round of the Yale Invitational. And she led the team to a fourth place finish in the tournament. They finished the top out of all the Ivy League teams there. And it's especially hard nosed because Yale is a extremely, extremely difficult course to play. And so that round is ridiculously impressive. Great. Thanks, Carter. Um, for me, you know, I don't... with. The award being the hard-nosed player of the week for the toughest pen athlete. I don't go for the gaudy statistics or the flashy play. I go for the rough-and-tumble players, and that has to be Tahib Sonikin. Not sure if I pronounced the name correctly, but he's a junior defensive lineman on the football team. Blocked two field goals in a game that was a one-possession one battle. Uh, also contributed on a tackle. But more than that, uh, to block a field goal, I mean, the way that much, that much to, like, hurt your fingers when, it come, when you come at it, 
Um, you know, he definitely made the difference. He's not someone who's, you know, we've mentioned a lot because he's the defensive lineman. They don't necessarily get a lot of uh, individual glory, but he really stepped up, and I think he was clearly the, uh, the toughest player in Pan Athletics this week. Great. Um, I'm nominating Raven Suleiman uh, of the Penn volleyball team. And uh, this may come across as an interesting choice given that Penn volleyball has gotten off to such a rocky start. They've obviously um, dropped now five straight Ivy League uh, games. But uh, I'm picking Raven actually exactly because they've dropped five straight conference games. Uh, she had 11 kills in their most recent loss to, I believe, Brown. Um, and, you know, what, what I think is really the sign of a tough player is how they look in losses and how they look when they're playing on a team that is really struggling. Because it's easy to be a contributor to a great team with great teammates all around you and, and everything's going well. That's easy. Ask Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What's hard is to be out there day in and day out knowing your team is going to lose, knowing your team is going to get swept, and still just getting up, getting those kills, staying on the attack, trying to score points, and, and that's exactly what Raven's done, and, and that's why she is my nominee for well, hard-nosed with player of the With all disrespect, I don't think she goes into games like expecting to lose. There was. Well, I'm, I'm not, it's not necessarily expecting to lose, but just knowing that you know you're a big underdog, or th- this is not this is just it, it's not their season. I mean, this is not Penn volleyball season. They've not been playing well, and they've been losing a lot. So like that's got to take an emotional toll. I gotta say, I think Mary on the golf team. <laughs> Just because of that record-breaking performance. The yes. two blocked field goals. We're know. back. Wow. Congratulations Carter. to Carter. First win of the season, right? I believe that means we're all, um, we all have one win, so it's all tied up after three episodes. Um, Nadia, any parting thoughts? That's it. Thank That's you it. for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on the penalty box. Um, thank you, as always, to Mark and Carter. Thanks to uh, Allie Johnson, uh, the podcast editor. Thanks to the DP for sponsoring us and DP Sports especially. Um, And thanks to all our listeners. We'll be back next week.